Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and tonight we are tackling the second ever Marbula One Grand Prix from the O-Rangers O-Raceway. And alongside me tonight, returning from his first appearance on our first show, we have Marble Australian Rules football star, Darren Dazza Gunderson. G'day everybody, it's great to be back on the show. And joining us tonight, live from Paris, it is renowned Marble social media influencer, Jean-Paul Lemarbre. Bonsoir, mon ami. It is I, Jean-Paul Lemarbre, here to delight your earlobes once more. Well, I guess we should start tonight's show by talking about the big incident from the uh, inaugural Grand Prix at the O Raceway, which was the terrible accident involving Waspy of the Midnight Wisps um, coming in up to and onto, in fact, the conveyor leading back to the start-finish line. Waspy took a massive tumble, sending him crashing down uh, back onto the track and stopping essentially at the, the end of the uh, what would be the pit straight. Um, very dangerous situation, um, safety marble on track, but couldn't pick up. And then I guess, well, maybe maybe we should get to that after we've talked about the incident in itself. Darren, you, you kick us off tonight. What do you make of this incident? Is, is there anything more that um, Marbula One can do? Frankly, Andrew, I don't think there is. And I don't really see that Marbula One has to. All the competitors entering this particularly dangerous sport know what they're getting into. They've signed up for this life or death, all-out, all-attack struggle uh, week after week. They, they know that when they enter that arena, anything can happen, and it most likely will. Oh yes, I have to agree here that uh, I do not believe that Marble is required to look after their competitors any more than they already are doing to such a high level. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, this is what people are paying the ticket money for. Uh, why else would they be turning up? I mean, exactly. These are the kind of thrills and spills that people are expecting to see. I want to see it, but, you know, if it comes down to whether we can have the sport or not... If catch fencing was to be introduced, I mean, I wouldn't be against it. But really, I, I think, you know, people want to see this kind of action happening. Uh, but if changes have to be made, then changes have to be made. We want to be seeing the competitors weekend after week. Mm, that's the, very, very true. I, 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 can, I can see why, um, you know, there's going to have to be changes made, I think. Um, John Paul, uh, alongside this, this terrible incident, there was a moment, I guess we could say, of true sportsmanship for rapidly from the Savage Speeders who kind of sacrificed his own race to some extent to help uh, Waspy regain momentum, pulled back onto the racing line and then back on, albeit a lap down and, and you know, probably of no consequence for the points, but a, a gallant, uh, you know, a, a gallant effort to bring a fellow competitor back into the race, do you not think? Oh, oui, oui. As we say in France, le spirit de sport. Uh, the sportsmanship is part of the competition. Uh, there is no sport without sportsmanship, after all. Uh, I do not think that it is unusual to see this in the, um, the spirit of competition, uh, but it was a tremendous advert for the sport in its burgeoning year uh, to see uh, a competitor take time out of his own race to help somebody else come back in and finish the race. A beautiful moment, I think, for the annals of history. Well, the Marble Race Committee did tweet that uh, Waspy is, in fact, fully recovered 
he is off training for a week just as a precautionary measure um, but should be back to racing uh, probably not in time for the next Grand Prix but probably the Grand Prix after uh, this is one of the reasons why the sport has um, two nominated uh, marbles for each event uh, just in case the worst does happen and so there is an injury uh, there is always somebody who is ready to come and take place uh, in the event of an emergency yeah what was that really Oh, uh, patching through, put them on um, um, line two. Um, well, f f fans of the show, we are very lucky uh, and honoured to have on our uh, is it line one? No, line one. On, on, on line one, we actually have Waspy from uh, the Midnight Wisp. He has been found by one of our roving reporters. Um, let's hand over to. Let's hand over to our roving reporter, Ian. In the field. Um, yes, hello. This is uh, Ian here reporting from Halov, um, the uh, home of the Midnight Wisps. I, I have been lucky enough to be granted a, a special interview with Waspy. Um, he, he's just coming out of the uh, doctor's... He's, um, oh, he's just up, up there? Yes. Uh, he's just up the top of the stairs. Um, just give me two seconds and... Uh, uh, Waspy, Waspy, yes, down... down. Oh, uh, careful now. Oh! <laughs> Oh, oh dear. Um, I think I need to go back to you, Andrew. God, he really isn't. Oh, I mean, um, sorry. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, yes. So back to the race itself. Um, looking across the um, lap times, the deltas between the teams, and the final finishing positions, um, it seemed that really this this race was a lot more uh, controlled than the last race, shall we say? Um, other than the sort of the normal jumble at the start. Pretty much everybody finished within one or two places of really where they qualified, um, rather than sort of the big gainers and fallers that we had um, at the um, the Savage Speeder circuit. So, you know, what what's causing this? How are teams, you know, able to maintain that pace? We really only had um, snowballs and thunderbolts as the the big gainers during the race, and only really the Raspberry Racers had a big drop. Um, what's the cause of this, Darren? I think, simply put, you've got to just look at what happened in the first race and what did the teams learn from that. Lots of teams came in that aggressive, full-on aggression, and a lot of teams failed at that. It wasn't a great tactic to go into the race thinking, I have to get in, get my place, and then defend it. Uh, so I think what you're seeing here is probably that, uh, in the end, teams are trying to keep a pace, and since nobody is quite sure what the pace levels of each team are and each team member, um, we're ending up with a a more flattening effect, uh, more processional in this race than we saw in the first one. I do, however, expect to see that change across the races as the competitors learn more about each other, learn more about where the best overtaking opportunities are and the best way to draft and slipstream to try and get past somebody who you're stuck behind. Uh, probably the two other biggest stories of the night both went to teams who like to dress in green. Um, the first being possibly the emergence of the Green Ducks, uh, a new team to... Um, the sort of marble race series, but they, um, well, stormed this race nearly from start to finish. Um, Billy getting the fastest lap of the race um, on his way to really cruising uh, for much of the race at the, the start. Do we, do we have any inkling where this kind of pace came from? Ah, uh, yes, I think I may be able to help here. Uh, as a social media influencer, I have had 
a lot of access to uh, some of the competitors uh, that maybe, you know, you mere mortals have not been able to get to. And Billy is definitely one of those people. In fact, I would uh, go as far to say as, as we say in France, uh, comme de pois dans un cos, uh, or as you English might say, two peas in a pod. Uh, we have spent many, many hours uh, talking online, and I know for a fact he has been training, training, training about how to overtake uh, on a race, and then maintain pace flat out for the most amount of time. I mean, after all, it showed in the race results. This is undeniable. Mm, that's true. Well, and the next big story was to do with um, perennial... I hesitate to say the word losers, that is a little bit unfair, but perennial at the back of the class, <laughs> making faces at the teacher, the limers, well... I guess we can probably put that to bed somewhat. A great result from Limeline, um, who was really a reserve marble for them um, in the, the last time that they competed, um, scored only um, two points in his last full actual participation um, in uh, the Marble League. But here, he dropped very badly at the start, and I, I guess probably Limer's fans were thinking, oh, well, here we go again. Um, but a magnificent recovery, um, essentially to come back and, and retake where he'd he'd qualified quite impressively from in fourth place. But given that he'd, he'd dropped so far down, really, that's a, an impressive uh, comeback. Do we know very much about this marble? You know, what's what's going on here? I think what we could be watching is the emergence of a true talent in the sport. It's not often that these kind of things come along. A once-in-a-generation thing, uh, you know, we had players like that in the uh, Marble Australian League that would just appear from nowhere. You'd see nothing, and then suddenly they'd appear in a match and just win the whole thing, practically on their own for their team. And it could be that Lime Lime is exactly that for the Limers, exactly the kind of new blood that they need to take themselves further. However, also on the grapevine, I've been hearing that actually the Limer's head coach has been taking them through very, very advanced tactical classes on exactly when the best time to pounce is, when it's best to hang back. So actually, I think in a lot of ways, it's down to the head coach's preparation going into this kind of event that's actually really paying dividends for them right now. Oh, well, that is a very interesting point you raised there. So this is a case of tactics, you think, um, that, you know... Limeline had looked at how the last race had gone and worked out that, you know, the first four chaotic laps are not where you need to put in the effort. And then actually, um, it, it's much safer to be um, kind of in the midfield pack and then making a break for it when the other uh, marbles are more tired. Um, looking back at the um, the stats for the last two races, handily supplied to us by GGhost27, um, it's definitely a case that the the start of the race is definitely chaotic. So you, you think the the Limers have, have spotted this? The coach of the Limers has spotted this and, and got the team working in a, a particular rhythm? I think you'd have to be some kind of flaming galah to not spot exactly that kind of uptime in the Limers' fortunes. Realistically, this is a team that struggled in the past to, to excel in events. I don't think they turn up in a race like this, especially on a circuit that's quite as technical as the O Raceway and achieve the kind of result that they got here without some kind of intense preparation. It's quite an amazing result, really. Quite a turnaround in fortune for the team. Mm -hmm. It is how we say in France, je porte le vent profond. Uh, in this case, you will be seeing uh, the, the team. 
training hard, putting into practice the plans that the uh, manager is putting in place, and uh, they will only excel from here. It is the only trajectory that they can uh, continue on. Mm, yeah, I see it. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, if you look at the performance of, say, the Rangers, sadly, in their home race, or um, I think it was the Rojo Rollers who um, all made up places. Oh, and um, Team Team Momo, uh, host of the next race. But both of those teams, all three of those teams, really, made um, big strides in the first lap and then, to one extent or another, dropped off more significantly during the race. Um, Team Momo were, were able to claw back some places in the last couple of laps. But still, you know... You could see that really by that point the the teams had expended so much energy they were unable to to claw back any more paces or make any good strides in the race. And this goes back to my former point. It's a simple case of fail to prepare, prepare to fail. These teams know what they're about. This is not amateur league anymore. We've had several years of marble league racing, and to go into marble one expecting that you know all you can do is just turn up and race. You know, this isn't this isn't the shallow end of the pool. This isn't, you know, the, the kiddies' play area. This is proper, proper sport with proper professionals and, uh, and in some cases getting paid quite a large amount of money to be uh, part in this uh, event. I think they've got to see the returns. There could be, you know, mid-season swaps. I, I hate to say it, you know, as a fellow sports professional, I don't like to see uh, athletes being taken out just because they've had one or two dodgy performances. But... There is a lot of pressure going on in these events, and there's not a lot of time to try and find your way. You're going to have to get in and get stuck in. That's that's what I think, at least. I mean, I'm not one to single out one particular athlete, but, you know, Mary from Team Primary did not have a good race. How long can that be allowed to continue, realistically? Ah, oh, yes, it's, it's interesting you bring Team Primary up, obviously. Uh, a fairly decent um, finish in the first race, but uh, a dreadful race for Mary, really, all over for Team Primary. Um, I believe that we have one of our roving reporters um, over there with the head coach of Team Primary uh, looking to get a reaction to uh, the last race. Marius, it is your roving reporter, uh, Roger Sinjin Smythe here, uh, live from uh, the dressing room of uh, Team Primary, and uh, with me is their coach. Um, coach, what do you make of your performance tonight? Well, what a fucking f*** of a f- that was that Oh, I say, steady on, old chap. And the f***ing of a of a No, really, that, that's... I mean, for goodness. I'm going to take off a and ram it up his until it goes And then he'll know what I'm talking about. I really don't think you're allowed to say that live on air. Please, sir, please. Oh, well, sorry uh, if any of the comments of the uh, Team Primary Coats uh, offended any of our listeners. Obviously, uh, we can't be held responsible for uh, the... the uh, utterings of uh, people outside of the uh, studio so um, apologies again um, and let's uh, let's move on um, so we've already kind of covered who won the race and who came in fourth so that leaves us with two teams who finished second uh, and third um, Savage Speeders and the Hazers really good uh, racing from um, you know both um, both teams um, especially again the Savage Speeders doing um, you know, sterling work to uh, pull themselves back up from the a, a good qualifying, but not a great qualifying. Uh, and the Hazers, you know, again, they, yes, they they ended up losing a place to the Savage Beaters overall. Um, but again, 
very consistent at the front pace, which seems to be uh, a very important um, you know factor in how well a marble does is how well they can maintain their position. So what is it about these two teams that um, is proving to be the recipe for um, success? Well, the savage speeders have always had pace. That's undeniable. It's really the Hazers' turn of pace that I think is catching everybody off guard. And I'm wondering if they've been looking at the Savage Speeders' performance in their previous events in the Marble League and trying to take some tips from there. There definitely seems a change in mindset. And, and that's ultimately the biggest thing that you can change in any sport, is how you approach it mentally. Uh, yes, uh, as it is not how we French say, um, Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? Uh-huh. Wait. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? That means will you sleep with me tonight? What what is what does that got to do with anything? Oh uh, mon ami, surely you silly English types just do not know what what we uh, French are talking about, yes? Uh, no? Are you even French? What what? Uh, how dare you say such a thing? Okay then, say welcome to the last lap podcast in French. Um of course um bienvenue um le um Podcast, um, final lap? See, you aren't actually French, are you? Where the hell are you from? Who are you, really? All right, all right. Fair cop, Gav. I'm not really French or called Jean-Paul. My name's Bob, and I'm from the east end of London. So why the hell have you been calling yourself Jean-Paul and saying that you're a social influencer? Well, to be fair, who's going to look at the Instagram of a guy called Bob from East London? I I don't know what to say. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, everyone, for for having a hoax on the show, a fake. Um, rest assured, we will not let this happen again. We will carefully vet our guests in future. Well, I think on that bombshell... No, no wait, no, that's somebody else's outro, isn't it? Um, well, I think on that note, that takes us to the end of our podcast for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much to uh, Dazza for joining us again. No worries, and I'll see you later, fans. And, of course, no thanks to Bob for tricking us the whole entire episode. Um, yeah, oh, I'm sorry about that. Well, thanks very much for tuning in, everyone. Uh, next week, we'll be bringing you all the action from the Mo Motorway Grand Prix, hosted by, of course, everybody's favourite team, Momo. So I we'll hope you join you then, and until that time, goodbye. <laughs>